good afternoon. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon, and I'm still Jane. And I'm Shannon. And boy, it's been two months, but we're still here. We've been to Illinois, Wisconsin, back surgery, VBS, but it's hopefully it won't be two months till we do the next one. But today, we're talking about Seven Thunders and the Little Book in Revelation 10. So as we did before, I'm going to read it just 11 verses out of the message translation, and then we'll just talk about it, and we'll see what happens. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, here we go. Chapter 10. I saw another powerful angel coming down out of heaven, wrapped in a cloud. There was a rainbow over his head. His face was sun radiant, his legs pillars of fire. He had a small book open in his hand. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on land, then called out thunderously a lion roar. When he called out, the seven thunders called back. When the seven thunders spoke, I started to write it all down, but a voice out of heaven stopped me, saying, Seal with silence, the seven thunders. Don't write a word. Then the angel I saw astride sea and land lifted his right hand to heaven and swore by the one living forever and ever who created heaven and everything in it, earth and everything in it, sea and everything in it, that time was up, that when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, which he was about to do, the mystery of God, all the plans he had revealed to his servants, the prophets, would be completed. The voice out of heaven spoke to me again. Go, take the book held open in the hand of the angel astride sea and earth. I went up to the angel and said, Give me the little book. He said, Take it, then eat it. It will taste sweet like honey, but turn sour in your stomach. I took the little book from the angel's hand, and it was sweet honey in my mouth, But when I swallowed, my stomach curdled. Then I was told, you must go back and prophesy again over many peoples and nations, languages, and kings. Okay, this is an interesting one, I think, because this is, they call it an interlude. Yeah, I noticed that when he said, then when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, which he was about to do, the mystery of God. So it's like he's giving them more time. Well, there's that pause. Yeah. Where you see this, and it's not... It's not necessarily that there was, um, it's between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And it's easy for us when we're reading Revelation, yeah, and they have ten verses or twelve verses or sixteen verses, to think of time passing quickly here. This is not quick time. Right. This is a long period of time that's passing. And as that long period of time is passing, this happens. So it, it, it makes sense that it could fit in there. Right, and it's between the first and second doom. There's three dooms. The and there's seven seals. And it's the between six seals. and seven. Yeah, and it it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because this is this is right before the very end. Yeah. So this is the this is the this is that little piece right before there. And it's interesting and we'll get into some of the later verses and mm-hmm. why this is there, because I think there's a definite purpose for chapter ten. I'm amazed when they say go get the book. Okay. We'll get to the book. All right. You want get to, to the book. All right. Let's not jump in. Okay. I like to go through this kind of line by line. Okay. Or verse by verse. So, all right. Revelation 10.1 talks about the mighty angel coming down from heaven, being clothed with a cloud, rainbow on his head, face like the sun, and feet as pillar, feet as pillar of fire. Mm-hmm. We had a discussion ourselves about this. Um, there are some similarities in some of the descriptions of Jesus in places, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is Jesus. I don't think so either. And... Why, is, why don't you think so? Well, um, 
I'm going to read this. This is from EnduringWord.com, okay. their Bible commentary on mm-hmm. this. It says, Angels are never clearly identified with Jesus in the book of Revelation or in the New Testament, though he is clearly associated with the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. A better identification is with the angel known as Michael, because there are also similarities to this mighty angel in Revelation and to Michael, as he's described in Daniel 12. Would you like me to read that? Yes, please. So let me get to Daniel 12. I should have had it open. That's all right. I'm getting there. Daniel 12, and this is 12... Verse 1 and then 6 and 7. So this is an angel uh, being in a vision with Daniel. Mm -hmm. So it says, that's when, this is 12-1, that's when Michael, the great angel prince, champion of your people, will step in. It will be a time of trouble, the worst trouble the world has ever seen. But your people will be saved from trouble. Every last one found written in the book. Okay, I'm going to go to 6 and 7 here. Mm -hmm. As I, Daniel, took all this in, two figures appeared. One standing on this bank of the river and one on the other bank. One of them asked a third man, who was dressed in linen and who straddled the river, How long is this astonishing story to go on? The man dressed in linen who straddled the river raised both hands to the sky. I heard him solemnly swear by the Eternal One that it would be a time, two times, and half a time, that when the oppressor of the holy people is brought down, the story would be complete. So, um... So in Daniel... It's another mighty person... But he identifies it directly as Michael. Michael. Mm -hmm. And I think um, there's certain, some of the symbology here, the rainbow shows a high rank, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a royalty within the angels, if you want to call it that. Um, And then the power of face like the sun and feet like pillars of fire, um, that there's power there. This This is a powerful angel coming down. And as he comes down, it says... Um, in his hand he had a little book open. Right. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. I think that's that's a symbolism of complete authority. Yeah. One foot in the sea, one foot on the earth. I mean, this isn't a guy standing on the shore. This is a gigantic yeah. angel yeah. standing there with a pillar of fire, standing, you know, I mean, feet like fire and, and all those things, standing with one foot on each. Then it talks about the little book. This is a mighty angel. He's a little book. And he had a little book. Every, I think every translation calls it a little book, which is interesting because mm-hmm. here, I don't know what, I read, of course, from Message, but here, and I don't know if this is the ESV or the NIV, but it's there, is that little book. He had a little book open in his hand. It's interesting, he's so big, and he has a little book, so it must, I wonder if it's little to John, too, or if it's just little in this huge, this huge angel's hand, but it's... And it's, it's an interesting, yeah, because, I mean, if you think about a book that would be in a gigantic angel's hand that John could put in his mouth. Oh, yeah, that's true, so it's got to be little. So by, by scope of that, you know, within our own brain, that's what we can come up with, is that it was tiny. Um, I've, I like this thought here, I'm reading from, uh... Um, BibleStudy.org, it says, um, The little book was seen in heaven. In verse 2, it has a similar message as that given in Ezekiel 3 and Jeremiah 15. The prophetic word, which is what the little book is, contains the sweet message of God's wonderful plan for mankind, Hmm. including the coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, and heaven. But it also contains the judgment of God on sinners who do not repent and come to him, Hmm. and their ultimate consignment to hell. Just the fact that it is open tells us that it is to be revealed to those who will consume it. Mm. As believers, we're told to eat this book just as John was told to eat this book. Can I read this? This is. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. We're, 
We're meant to consume it. Right here. Um, Peterson says, eating a book means that you take it all in, mm-hmm. assimilating it into the tissues of your life. Witnesses first become what they say before they say it. John isn't instructed to pass on information about God. He's commanded to assimilate the word of God so that when he does speak, it will be an essential part of him, just as the food we eat, when digested, is assimilated into the very structure of our bones and into the fiber of our muscles. And this entire concept of Revelation is John being given a message to give to people. Yeah. So he is meant to speak it, so he needs to have it in its entirety. So mm-hmm. you know, um, But yeah, it's interesting, this gigantic angel, this is a tiny, tiny book in his hand. And who do you think the seven thunders are when the seven thunders spoke? I will get to that in just a minute. Let's... Let's see, the angel is there and he cries with a, a loud voice like a roaring lion. Well, I don't know if anybody's ever heard a lion roar uh, other than MGM on movies. It would get your undivided attention. Yes. There's, well, a, there's authority in that. When I was at a zoo, mm-hmm. there was a lion. Mm-hmm. He did not roar, but he just kind of growled. That was so loud, just a little growl. I mean, and I... I was taken aback because I thought, what if he had roared? What would that have said? Yeah, you always want to, want to roar, but they're not trained monkeys. They don't roar for it on command. Right. But it would have been a powerful thing to hear that. Yeah. And then it said, and when he had cried, so after he roars, seven thunders uttered their voices. This is very interesting. Uh, one of the concepts here is that in Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. they they called thunder the seven voices and regarded as the voice of God. Oh, well, this, this here, Enduring Word, because this is one of my favorite psalms, mm-hmm. uh, refers to Psalm 29, verses 3 through 9. Can I read that? Mm-hmm. It says, seven times in, in Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is repeated. Mm-hmm. So this is Psalm 29. 1 through 11? Well, uh, well, they said 3 through 9, but I'll just read this. Okay. I would think it's 1, but sure. I'm going to read it right here. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. I love that. The voice of the Lord. So I like that. They called his voice the seven thunders. Why did they do that? Why did the, why did the Jewish tradition calls his voice? Psalm 29. Oh, that's why. That's where it comes from. Oh. Yeah. From Psalm 29, David refers to it as the thunders and the seven, you know, and there's seven judgments. Right. And the seven thunders are speaking, and this is between the sixth and seventh trumpet. So this is the end. There's a, there's a certain amount of, of end here, but... This is not thunder. The seven thunders is not actually thunder because um, Revelation 10.4 says, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. Oh, because he heard what they said. John was going to write down what the seven thunders said, what God said. He was going to write it down. And then it says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up those things which the seven thunders have uttered, and write them not. Seal up those things. Do not write down what you just heard. Interesting that they refer to then God's voice as a seven thunders right now. I mean, mm-hmm. why? Why didn't they just say, then when he called out, God called back. I mean, why didn't, you know, I wonder. I just wonder. I don't know if anyone knows. 
I don't know either. I, I think a lot of the... I, I was surprised by that Psalm 29 reference. Yeah. But a lot of stuff, John's going to be talking from his experience and his reference. So when he says the seven thunders, he's saying the voice of God. Yeah, true. So it's it's not questioned in his mind. Um, oh, I can read what Bible Hub says. Okay. This is what they think. The thunders are called the seven thunders to bring them before us as another order of sevens and into harmony with the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven vials. Thus we have four sets of sevens. It was not a sevenfold peal of thunder, but seven thunders which spoke forth distinctly. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just... Well, just imagine if you've ever, when you're in a storm, not if you've ever, everybody's been yeah. in a storm somewhere, in a thunderstorm, and the thunder is right over your head. It can be Multiply quite times scary. Seven. Very scary. Multiply that times seven. Yeah. You can physically feel it in the air. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about this sealing it up. Seal with silence, the seven thunders. So, John is told to go out and tell everyone about what he sees, but this part, this is the only thing that says, don't tell anybody about no. this. Seal it up. I thought that was very interesting. Because why, why would he, when he's revealing all these other things, why seal that up? Daniel was told the same thing. That's right. That's right. As for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. I uh, like that. Yeah. Many will go back and forth. We're reading Revelation and talking about Daniel. Yeah, Many right. will go back and forth. We have, you know, increasing knowledge beyond the scope of what most people ever considered, don't we, right now? Mm-hmm. We have the ability to do these things. We have the ability to put them side by side on a computer screen and look at Daniel and Revelation next to each other. I mean, there's we have more ability to research this stuff than ever. And I think part of the reason it was sealed is because that's what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. This He's is, not going to lay it out like a coloring book. Right. He says, those that want to know will find it, because they will search my word. The secret things belong to the Lord. That's, mm-hmm. I don't know where that is, Proverbs 22 or something. Uh, look it up. Don't know where it is. Maybe Shannon will find What's it. What's that? Uh, the secret things belong to the Lord. That's a verse. And I think it's Proverbs. But as you look it up, uh, Enduring Word has uh, a few quotes here. Uh, first Enduring Word says, one reason to not write them down of it should be to let us know there are secrets in a prophetic scenario, mysteries that should keep our exposition and prediction humble. Mm-hmm. And somebody by the name of Wolvord says, this il- illustrates the principle that while God has revealed much, there are secrets which God has not seen fit to reveal to man at this time. Yep. And then someone by the name of L. Morris says, let us not proceed as though all has been revealed. So it's not like we know everything. Yeah, if anybody says they know everything... Oh, they're wrong. They're wrong. Yeah. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and okay. to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. Okay. So um, so these things are, are meant to be kept secret. Mm-hmm. They're, they're held back. Um, I, there's that voice from heaven that is talking to John personally. That, that's yeah. interesting. It's like he's got a guide. Yeah. He's seeing all these things, and every so often the voice tells him something. Do this or do that. or, You know, I, I always thought that would have been a comforting thing for John. Hmm. Have someone helping, guiding him through what he's doing here. But he's trying to write down all these things that he sees and that he hears and writes them all down. Don't you think the voice out of heaven spoke to me again? Don't you think that's God? 
It could be. Yeah. But it's personal. Yeah, true. The other right stuff, him. Yeah, yeah, the other stuff he's seeing is impersonal. Right. It's happening to the whole world. This is one person talking to him one-on-one. Yeah. So I think I, that just, yeah. I think it's very special. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's, let's get into verse 5 then. Okay. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea. Mm-hmm. And upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. Now, that is actually the Greek word that they use for lifting up mm-hmm. his hand, raising his hand. Mm-hmm. That is like taking an oath. Oh. It'd be the same word as if you went into court, you put mm-hmm. your hand on the Bible and raise, mm-hmm. raise your right hand. I solemnly swear yeah. this is what he's doing. And this is the angel saying, with all power and authority, mm-hmm. this is the end. And I swear that this is the end. This is yeah. this is him proclaiming without doubt whatsoever that it's it's a very solemn vow. Yeah. And he says, "This is there will be no more delay." And we have to remember that there's two perspectives here. I think in Revelation, mm-hmm. in all things, but in Revelation, there's two distinct perspectives. Mm-hmm. There's a perspective of humans on Earth. Mm-hmm. seeing this, all that kind of stuff. Right. There's also the perspective from the heavenly realm. Right. And those that left the earth already and are up there. And are in watching, the very beginning yes. said, how long, O Lord? Oh, how right. long? The ones by the altar. Yes. Under the altar. The martyrs. The people that have, have died for, for Christ. Mm-hmm. Those that have already passed along are waiting for this time, anticipating it with great joy. Mm-hmm. Those on the earth, if you are a believer, you should also be anticipating this with great joy. If you're a non-believer, this should fill you with absolute dread. Mm-hmm. So when you read these these scary things going on in Revelation, we have to remember that from the heavenly perspective, these are wonderful. Mm-hmm. From an earthly perspective, these are terrifying. Right. So when he's he's doing this, I just people on the earth, if they saw this guy, would freak out. Yeah, I'm surprised John doesn't. People in I heaven mean, it's, are cheering. Yeah, right. So you know, I, I just think that we have to take this entire book of Revelation and realize that. This is playing out before two different audiences. Right. And John is the narrator of the earthly audience. Yeah. But he also sees the heavenly audience and can tell us that they're there. So right. I, I just love that too. I right, read 10 6 again. 10 6. Um, well, let me hear. Let's see here. Uh, oh, I can read from here. Yes. All it's right. right then the, well, I'll just read 5 through 7 because this okay. is the... Then the angel I saw astride sea and land lifted his right hand to heaven and swore by the one living forever and ever who created heaven and everything in it, earth and everything in it, sea and everything in it, that time was up, that when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, which he was about to do, the mystery of God, all the plans he had revealed to his servants, the prophets, would be completed. Wow, so that means Jesus coming back. This is what... Yeah, and this is what he says. This is... When he raises his hand, he says, you know, I, my, my vow, I vow by, I swear by him that liveth forever and ever and created everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, that's about as powerful a, a vow as you can take. And here, the uh, which is about to the mystery of God is in that little book. Mm-hmm. Uh, here on this enduring word, they do have one, two, three, f- five uh, references about things in scripture that are called the mystery of God. Can I just mm-hmm. share them? Sure. Okay, in Romans 11.25, the ultimate conversion of the Jewish people is called a mystery. Ephesians 3, 3-11, God's purpose for the church is called a mystery. 
Romans 11.25, saying the bringing of, in of the fullness of the Gentiles is called a mystery. Colossians 1.27 through 2 and 2.3, the living presence of Jesus in the believer is called the mystery of God. Mm. And in Colossians 4.3, the gospel itself is called the mystery of Christ. So really, I think it's probably about all of it. All, all the, how God's plan has culminated, how it all works together, how everything's connected. I told our, my friend today on the on our weekly prayer time about how it's so exciting when you and I, I asked you the question, why did Jesus, Father God, why did they wait 40 days to send the Holy Spirit at Pentecost? And then we found out Pentecost was actually, is actually a Jewish Holiday. day or yeah. holiday that they uh, celebrate or uh, it's a holy remember when, when Moses brought the, the brought word the down, the law down the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so how that correlated with the Holy Spirit coming down to inhabit believers, it just works together. So Because the knowledge of God came through the law and the knowledge of God comes through the Spirit. Yes. And they both descended at, at that point in time. So there was... For a Jewish believer, it's time. Pentecost would have made sense. Yes. Would have very so much made sense. It's like everything in the Old Testament, it all points to Jesus. But mm-hmm. I think even all this stuff in the Old Testament or Revelation, everything is so related. Like we go back to Daniel and come forward. So uh, I want to bring another mystery. Yes, another mystery. Uh, this is in First John 3, 2. Okay. John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Mm -hmm. We don't know what our heavenly body is going to be like. We don't know what's going to happen after. But when Christ reappears, when Christ appears, we'll we'll be like him. Because we'll see him as he is, not as he was. He could walk through walls. Well, we will see him as he is in heaven. Yes. Well, I thought... So there's, I mean... It's He's, going to be different than what we imagine. Yes. And what we become is a mystery to us and will be until we see him. And once we see him, we'll go, aha, mm. there it is. I just, I kind of enjoy the fact that there's these mysteries and there's the sealed up portion, those kind of things. Um, the mystery uh, part that it says there in verse 7, it says a Greek term meaning to shut or to close. Mm. In the New Testament, a mystery is a truth that God concealed that has revealed through Christ and his apostles. So there was a lot of, if you look at the Old Testament and go into the New Testament, there's a lot of things that seem to contradict the beginning to the end. Think of Peter on the rooftop. Oh, right. God says, take and eat. And he says, I've never eaten anything that's not kosher. And God says, mm-hmm. if I made it, it's okay. is, it, is it not holy? Um, so yes, there was the law. But then there was a change with Jesus mm-hmm. and the fulfillment of the law. Not the contradiction of the law, but the fulfillment of the law. Right. And that's what the Old Testament builds up the law so we can understand what the fulfillment of the law is. If we didn't have an understanding of the law, then what would? how could we understand Jesus as the fulfillment of the law? Mm-hmm. We, would not, we would not understand Christ for what he is if we did not have what, what came before. Mm-hmm. So this is the same sort of thing going on. Um, and... So the final, the final trumpet, the seventh trumpet, is going to be the final judgment. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times... And that happens in the next chapter. Right. It's a scary chapter, the next one. We'll try to do it in less than two months. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Revelations 10.8, then. 
Okay. This is where it tells him. The voice from heaven spoke to him again. So this is the personal voice mm -hmm. speaking to him and says, Go and take the little book which is in the open hand of the angel which Sam is fun to see in the earth. Mm -hmm. So this is the third reference to him where he's standing. Yeah. And he says, Go and take it. And I love this. Revelations 10, 9. John says, And I went unto the angel and I said unto him, Give me the little book. I know. I just... I'm amazed. He's picture in my head. I'm, I'm picturing, picturing in my head this giant. I'm picturing it'd be like twenty foot tall. Scary or or bigger. Or bigger, yeah. And, and John's he's got like, this little tiny book, and John goes up and says, "Give me the book." Give me the little book. I mean, you know. He doesn't say, "Please, sir, can I have the book?" He says, "I was told to come get the book." Yeah. And then the angel says to him, "Yeah." He with gives him the voice like a lion. Yeah. Take it, eat it up. It shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be sweet as honey in your mouth. Yeah. So the, the voice from heaven had told him to do this, and it said, take the little book, and then the angel says, I don't, not just take it. Yeah, you got to eat it. Eat it. It's not enough to hold it. You have to take it in, and we just talked about that, how part of that concept of, of the Word of God and, and... Assimilating it. It has to be completely in you. It has to be in every cell you're being. It has to be part of you. And... It's one of those things that frustrates me a lot. Um, it frustrates me a lot with a lot of people and a lot of modern-day Christians that are not seeking and searching, oh, getting into the Word. you got to read it. you got to soak God it laid it there for a purpose. He put it out there for a reason. And our, our objective as Christians are to be as knowledgeable as possible mm -hmm. and to get into it as deep as possible. And if we choose not to, what an insult. Is, what an insult to God. He's, I, I gave words. it to you. I gave you my word, and you decided, oh, I don't need to bother with that. Yeah. I'll wait around for somebody else to tell me. Yeah. And the angel tells John, you need to have it all in you. Here, Second uh, Timothy 2.15 says, mm -hmm. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Right. You have to be able to handle the word of truth. I mean, if you don't know how to use your weapon, your sword... Right. Like, I, I'm thinking of when you were an uh, instructor at the police academy, you guys weeps on how to how to use weapons, how to use... I mean, if someone is asking for help from a police officer, you don't... You assume that police officer knows how to handle his weapon. I mean, he better, or he shouldn't be wearing the uniform. We, as Christians, really need to know how to use the Word of God if we're calling ourselves Christians. Any worker. Any worker. If you're going to hire anybody to do a job... They need to and know they the tools. advertise that they are an electrician. Right. You assume they have the knowledge to do it right. Right. If they are a mechanic, you assume because they're advertising it and you're going to pay for it that they're going to do what they are asked to do. And to do that, they have to have knowledge you don't have. It's that knowledge that others don't have. Right. And the world does not have the knowledge of the Word. No. The Even word, if they say they do, they don't. The world denies the knowledge of the Word. Yeah. So can I give a little uh, rabbit trail here about eating the book? But of course. Okay, so when you when I you read that, another rabbit trail. You got when you say, on one, here's give me two. the little book and then eat it. Take it and eat it. Eat it. It'll make your stomach bitter, but it'll be sweet as honey in your mouth. Well, I thought of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when Violet took the gum that was supposed to be all mm, roast beef sandwich, mm, and then it was ooh, blueberry pie, and then she started filling with juices and juices and juices. And okay, you're right, that's a rabbit trail. Well, I wonder, you know, he ate that book. I wonder if he knew, mm, I'm eating Isaiah now. Mm, I'm eating 
Paul's letters to Timothy. Maybe not, but I want to read this. This is probably a little more useful. Yeah, let's try something a little more useful than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You can find Jesus in everything. Yeah. Yeah, okay, here. This like is, you would eat too much of the Bible? Is that what you're trying to no, say? No, no, no. Okay. No. Actually, she didn't eat too much of the she gum. She just did what she shouldn't have done. She, Go ahead. She was wrong to eat it because then all the juices filled okay. her up. As yeah, big, yeah. Big, she needs to be squeezed. Big, huge blueberry. They but this is what Peter says, Peterson says about once he ate it. Every witness experiences the polarity of sweetness and bitterness of the word. The word is sweet when it's received from God. It's bitter when it is rejected by others. Biblical witnesses were motivated, or, or are motivated, by the promised sweetness of the word, but they were also warned of the bitterness of rejection. So we see that with Ezekiel, it was rejected. Mm-hmm. He, well, he was told to eat it too, eat another little book. Mm-hmm. can't be the same little book, but probably the same stuff in it. It could be the same book. I suppose in, in regurgitated. The fact that it was the word of God. Yeah, yeah but I mean. Not regurgitated. Just, but, yeah, okay, okay, same book. But, it's uh, a prophet being, being given the word. And then at the end, when he says... Um, Then I was told, you must go back and prophesy again over many peoples, nations, and languages, and kings. He's told to not just prophesy to Jews, but to everyone. The whole world. And going back to 1010, where it talks about how he ate it up sweet in his mouth and bitter in the belly. As a believer, the sweetness is there because it's God's salvation is the sweetness. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's nothing to be afraid of, there's nothing to fear, and that God's love is expressed through through his word and through his son. But it is not one-sided. Right. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. There is also judgment. There is two sides of it. If you choose to reject the sweetness, you get nothing but the bitter. Yeah. And John got to experience it both. And I think even as, uh, even myself, when I think about these things in Revelation, mm-hmm. um, I don't think in heaven there's going to be any sadness or tears. The Bible says there's well, no the tears Well, the Bible says it won't be, yeah. But the sadness of thinking the people that I love yeah. and have not accepted Christ mm-hmm. are on away. the bitter side yeah. or had it and walked away. Yeah. They have the knowledge and, and rejected the knowledge. Yeah. I, I heard something the other day that I'll probably end up in a sermon somewhere. The very first lie that was ever told. Well, God didn't really say that, did he? Mm-hmm. It just brought doubt. That was the first lie. Yeah. The first lie was, well, God didn't say that. It's against God. Yeah. That was the, that was the serpent in the garden. And this is all laid out for us. This book that we are to take in and assimilate into our bodies and make it part of us is laid out before us, and we all have access to it. And if we choose not to, that is rejection. Yeah. You know. That's then, what that's what bothers me so much about. People that claim to be Christians and do not Read the word. want to get into the Word. You know, they don't want to know the Word. That, that's how you get to know God. I mean, you can know God like like I sit outside a lot. I, I did for a while today until the mosquitoes drove me inside. I didn't bug spray them. But still, I, you can experience God with His focusing on His nature. We're told to do that. The skies proclaim the glory of God. But to know His character, to know, understand him, you have to also read the Word. There's no substitute for the Word of God. Yeah, we're commanded to read the Word. Yeah. We're commanded to read the Word and to be that worker that's not ashamed. I mean, what So, if, there is no excuse. What if, what if we were apart and you were the one who wrote a lot of letters and you kept sending them to me and I just, I just didn't have time to read the letters? I mean, what a 
that would and you, and you would find out you, mm-hmm. I have this stack of letters I never I never read I mean how could I say I loved you if I didn't bother to open these letters you sent mm-hmm. and and uh, that I mean that's that's hard and even more so think about it from God's perspective he's telling us what we need to do for our salvation how we need to grow in our salvation um, what our salvation means, what it should mean to us, what we should be doing with our salvation, what we should be doing with our time on earth. You know, I was I was talking to a young man, and we're doing a, a book study together online, and that concept of, you know, knowing what God wants you to do, and understanding through the Word that if it was just about salvation, yeah. you would be saved and taken to heaven at that moment in time. Right. Right. But God chose to leave us here on earth after we are saved for a purpose. Yeah. And if you do not fulfill your purpose, what's that mean to God? Right. Are you choosing to come to church on Sunday but actually walk away in your life? Yeah. Being there on Sunday doesn't mean necessarily you're doing what you're supposed to do. But that's a good thing to do. Of course. But that in and of itself does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is the Word of God. And Jesus is the Word. So if you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Word. If you believe in the Word, you, word, you want to get to know it. Yeah. Jesus said, if you believe me, you will follow my commands. And I am reminded of what you mentioned this past Sunday, how when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he used the Word mm-hmm. to combat Satan's temptations to him. And if the Son of God, the Word of God, uses the Word of God to, to uh, combat evil, how much more do we need that? I mean, yeah. You can't have too much of the word, and and I know life is busy. Life is really, really busy for everybody. But it's if it's, but you got you will find time to do what you really, really want to do. I mean, if there's something you absolutely want to do, you'll find time to do it. You just have to find time for the word. If you don't like, if you don't have that desire, then ask God to give it to you because He will. I, I'm reminded. I had a trooper friend of mine talking about rookies. Mm-hmm. New guys. Mm-hmm. And he said, at first, when they go out, they're all, oh, yeah, troopers. Oh. I said, well, what's an oh, yeah, trooper? He said, they'll walk up and they'll freeze up and they forget what they're supposed to do. And then when you remind them, go, oh, yeah, and then they'll do it. Oh. To yeah. start with, everybody's kind of an oh, yeah. But you don't always have somebody with you. Right. After you go through your training, you're on your own. You're expected to have all the oh, yeah moments past you right. and be able to do what you're asked to do. Right. You cannot stay... As a baby, like Paul says, you should be chewing meat. Yeah. And you're still nursing from your mother. You have to grow. And to grow, you have to get into your work. The world needs you to grow as a Christian. Your family needs you to do that. Your friends, society. Your church. Your church. Your pastor. Yeah. Oh, that really encourages Shannon when people are there. And are, it's so exciting to see people It would be grow. awesome to have somebody. Isn't it awesome if somebody comes up to you and says, well, what does this mean? Yeah. That's why I love doing studies, and I love doing studies with other people, because we all, God reveals things to everyone in slightly yeah. different ways, and the Holy Spirit might speak through Jane to me, because mm-hmm. she heard, she she saw something, and she goes, well, this reminds me of, or this made me think of, mm-hmm. and I go, aha, my light bulb mm-hmm. comes on. And you could use that. It happens all the time. It happens with people that are new to Christ, yeah. and they get in there, and they're hungry, and they find something, and I go, oh, I never thought about that, mm-hmm. but that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much to be said there. Yes. And, now let's, oh, go ahead. Well, we're, we're about there. Let's finish up this last verse. Oh, I thought I already read the last Believe verse. Believe it or not, Jane 
wanted us to do two chapters. I guess that was. We did one. I said, no, let's just do one. Do Eleven right. verses has so far taken us 35 minutes. Yeah. I want to finish this up here. And he said to me, thou must pros- prophesy again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So he already did it. So he's saying, you need to go again and tell this part of the story. Mm-hmm. John was an evangelist. Mm-hmm. He had told these stories. He told the story of Christ. He, he told all of the beginning of mm-hmm. the New Testament. He told the Gospels. He wrote it. He wrote First and Second and Third John. He wrote these things. And they, they say, now you have new knowledge. Mm-hmm. You need to go again and tell it to the world because the right. world is under judgment. Yeah. Right. The world is under judgment. It's not just Israel under judgment. As in the Old Testament, Israel would fall under judgment for failing God. Mm-hmm. The entire world now is under that judgment. We know that, that they preach to the Gentiles, um, and, and I'm reading through Acts right now, and you know there was some controversy about, well, can you really talk to the Gentiles? and Do they have to be circumcised and all these mm-hmm. other things? Right. And God said, no, I want you to go to the Gentiles. And Paul said, I'm going to go strictly to the Gentiles. I'm, that's who I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on. All of those things. But this part... Just like the word was taught to the Gentiles at the beginning of the of the New Testament, and as we go through the New Testament, the world is now under the same law. The world was not under the law in the Old Testament. Only the Israelites were under the law. Now, the world is under the law. Because all this knowledge has been passed, and all this knowledge is available, and everyone has the ability to see this. Mm-hmm. And so he tells John, you go tell this to the whole world, because the whole world is going to have the judgment. Mm-hmm. It's a one-world judgment, whether you like it or not. Whether you want to accept Jesus or not, the judgment's there. Whether you want to acknowledge God exists or not, it doesn't matter. The judgment's there, and it's coming. It is coming. So when it comes, be ready. where are you going to be? Mm-hmm. Don't be hungry. Eat the word. That was a good ending. All right. All right. Hey, we'll get back to you soon. Okay. God bless. Thanks for listening.